We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Hello, Renegade Nation, and welcome to the world in my eyes. It has been such a pleasure getting to know you over on Big Trouble in Little Vagina, and I'm so excited to share all my thoughts, ideas, and craziness here with you today on The World in My Eyes. Now, before we jump into it, I do want to remind all you listeners out there that if you're searching for naughtiness on the internet, which, let's face it, that's how you found me in the first place, then make sure that you visit our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys, because If you're in the market for an adult toy, or if you need help getting that perfect adult toy, Adam and Eve Toys is there for you. And by being a Renegade listener, they're going to give you one hell of a deal. Seriously. Use special code BABE69, that's B-A-B-E-6-9. They're going to give you 50% off of one item. But no, that's not all. They're also going to give you free shipping. They're going to throw in three choice adult movies and a very special Renegade listener gift. And let me tell you this, the folks over at Adam and Eve Toys, they really do know how to treat you right. So make sure that you're heading on over there today and make sure you pick out something really, really naughty. Also, I want to remind you that the Renegade Talk Radio Network is growing by leaps and bounds every day. There's a brand new website, and if you haven't checked it out, you need to head on over there to check it out. Okay, wait until the show's over, and then you can head on over there. But the new website is so much easier to find all of your favorites, so make sure that you've got it bookmarked. And make sure that you check out all the new fascinating and provocative shows that are on the site. Of course, there's always Cannabis Talk with Patty Cakes, Queen of the Cannabis, Political Insight from the fabulous Lou Cola Giovanni, Deep Insight into Conspiracies with Everly Isby, and seriously, she is just amazing. you got to listen to her. And as always, there's hilarity and thought-provoking hijinks with Richie and Sammy the Sausage Man. Seriously, those, those guys make me laugh more than anything. Seriously, the last time I wet myself. It was embarrassing, but it was funny. And you can also check out my other show, Big Trouble in Little Vagina. And, of course, there's this one, The World in My Eyes, where you get to listen to me talk about all the things that are going on in my world that make me think, cringe, or laugh. And don't forget, there's more great talk radio on the way, so make sure that you check back daily, because you do not want to miss what's coming up next. And in case you've forgotten, we have spent a great deal of time getting very intimate with each other. But in case you're new, I am the naughty mistress with the mostess, the melodic goddess, and the deviant diva, naughty Nicole Delacroix. Now on today's episode of The World in My Eyes, I have several things that I want to touch on. The first of which being the way the U.S. and even state governments treat the citizens of this country. I know that seems a little bit vague, but I promise you this, there is a story behind it, so bear with me. I'm just going to jump right on into it because we really do have so much that I want to cover today, and I know that a lot of you are going to be able to see yourselves or possibly somebody that you know and love with today's topic. So the founders of our great country had great concern for fairness in both government and law, In fact, the writers of the Declaration of Independence expressed this concern explicitly when they wrote about equality. They said, We hold these truths to be self-evident, 
that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And both federal and state constitutions put limits on government in an effort to ensure that each person is treated fairly under the laws. They provide that the government, or anyone using the powers of government, cannot take away life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Moreover, everyone must be given equal protection under the law. But as you will find, more often than not, the so-called law is being twisted and bent, not to benefit individuals, but to benefit corporations and big business, the ultra-rich and powerful, and they trample over the rights and needs of the middle and lower class citizens. In truth, the law and government in general apply a sliding scale of justice that progressively lowers benefits to those that truly need it the most. Assistance and welfare programs are created and maintained to, re to reward con artists and laziness instead of being what they were truly envisioned to be, a hand up, not a hand out. But the truth of governmental programs is out there, and we see it every single day, Renegade Nation. Those hard-working folks who hold down two, even three jobs, just to make ends meet. Someone who would rather starve than take even one nickel from programs such as these. Someone who makes their way back and forth to minimum wage jobs that they hate simply to survive. And today's show is about one such person a dear friend of mine that we're going to call Alice. And much like Alice in that famous book, she has slipped down the rabbit hole, my friends. But the rabbit hole that she's fallen into isn't one that leads to a world of wonderment and strange, fantastical things. No, in fact, this hole leads to corruption, depression, aggravation, and unfair treatment. See, my friends, Alice lost her job a few months back, just like I did. Now, I've since found employment to cover my bills. But Alice, well, she was still looking. Much like other unemployed people, Alice turned to her state labor board for assistance in the form of unemployment insurance. Now, for those of you that have been blessed to never have to seek unemployment insurance, I applaud you. But let me paint the picture for you. See, Alice was fired from her job, not for any tangible reason, like not performing her duties or maybe doing something wrong. No, she was fired simply because her supervisor didn't like her. And even though she did her job day in and day out without complaint, the system was still stacked severely against her. How, you may ask? Well, like in many states, Alice lives in a right-to-work state, which means she can be fired for any reason without cause. So, even though Alice has dedicated 10 loyal years to this company, she walked in one day and was fired. Just so that you can understand what it felt like for dear sweet Alice, you have to picture the way that this company treated her after 10 years of loyal service. She was unceremoniously walked to her desk, allowed to take only her immediate personal possessions, like her handbag and her phone, and little things like that, and then walked out the door, 
all without any explanation of what she'd done to deserve this treatment. Now, Alice suffered in silence. In fact, other than a few close friends, she was deeply embarrassed and depressed that she'd been fired, even though none of it was her fault at all. So in her state, she had to take a hard look and realized that she would need unemployment in order to pay her bills while she looked for another job. So she swallowed what little pride that she had left and headed over to her state's labor board to file unemployment. After filing for unemployment, Alice reached out to her former employer in order to get her personal belongings. She was instructed that her belongings would be boxed up and that she could get them from the parking lot of the building. That if she stepped onto the property, they would call the local police. Yet another blow to Alice's self-esteem. See, she's not a violent person. In fact, she didn't even so much as raise her voice or make any fuss when she left the building. So why was her previous employer treating her like a criminal? But Alice persevered and took to the streets and the want ads to find a new job. After 20 or so applications, it became very clear to Alice that potential employers wanted to contact her previous employer for reference. She knew that using anyone from that company as a reference was a surefire way of getting no interview, let alone another job. So she noted that they were not to be contacted. But after spending 10 years working for the same company, it's kind of hard to put a personal reference and refuse any professional references. So after 200 applications in her field, she had to look at positions that pay either minimum wage or maybe just a hair above that. In fact, the only jobs offered her are way beneath her field of expertise, offering little to no benefits with really shitty hours and shitty pay. But Alice still resigned herself to the fact that this is her life now. She really doesn't have much in the way of family, and she's not married and doesn't have a partner to support her. She lives alone, and the bills need to be paid. So Alice accepts a job that's way beneath her skills and decides to put all of her efforts into making it a great job. She stops the few weeks of unemployment that she finally got after waiting a month and starts her new job. Sure, the hours suck, and it's not her optimal field, but she's trying to make it work, much like anybody else. If nothing else, try to make the best of it until something better comes along. Then, after a month of her new job, she comes home to a surprise in her mailbox. A letter from the State Department of Labor. She opens it, curious of its content until she finally reads it. It's an appeal from her previous employer with a note saying that she may have to pay back any benefits that she's already received. That's right, listeners. After jumping through every single hoop put in her way, doing absolutely everything that was asked of her, and waiting nearly six weeks to get only three weeks of benefit, she may have to pay it back. Now, soon after she received this letter, she gets a packet of the appeal paperwork. And is there any new information in the packet? No, none at all. 
In fact, all the paperwork provided by the previous employer just further substantiates what Alice, what Alice has already told to the state. So I ask you this. If this situation were reversed and Alice hadn't provided any new information or any new documentation, would she have been granted an appeal by the state? And what about the three weeks Alice had to wait to even get that first payment? where that employer was already contacted but didn't bother to reply to, to the request. As you can see, Alice's story has got me wondering why a state entity, one whose sole purpose and mission it is to help the individual, is now allowing Alice's previous employer to continue their campaign of harassment and embarrassment. They didn't offer any new information other than to offer up undocumented claims that simply defamed my friend's character, but yet they deserve a second chance? When does the abuse and harassment simply get to be too much? Why does this company get every opportunity to beat up on my friend, and she gets absolutely no recourse? I know it seems like I'm off on a tangent, but I'm really having a hard time reconciling my friend's experience and all the other stories that I know of with what the politicians keep saying. Do those people who so desperately want you to vote for them, have they ever even lived on minimum wage? Do they even know what the price of a gallon of milk is? Now, I know for a fact that both of the main candidates have lived lives of privilege, but quite truthfully, I'd like to see a candidate who had to become a success on their own. Someone who didn't have money, didn't marry into money, and had to scrimp and save and live like the rest of us here in the real world. Truth is, politicians don't give a flying fuck about anything that happens to real people or real world problems. All they want is to scare you into believing that your vote somehow matters and that if you vote for them, that your life will be just a little bit easier. Truth is this, your vote doesn't count or matter even, and the only person that can make your life better is you. Well, and Nathan Fillion, because simply put, he's awesome, and everything is better with Nathan Fillion in it. Oh, and the crazy hair guy from Ancient Aliens. But only those two dudes. Nobody else. Seriously, no one else. Okay, maybe Richie and Sammy because they're funny. And Lou and Patty Case and Everly. Okay, we're going to open the club up to like maybe 15 people and that's it. And then we're going to put the ropes up. Alright. Alright, dear listeners, we're just getting started. And before I get too far into it, we do need to take a moment to visit our sponsors. And maybe check out a little music. You're listening to The World in My Eyes. I'm Naughty Nicole, and this is Renegade Talk Radio. So meet me back here after the break. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration. Plus, a free extra gift so sensual, we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. 
So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. And welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, this is the world in my eyes, and I am Naughty Nicole. And today we're going to talk about all the ways that this world is fucking us over. And if you don't want to get screwed over, then make sure you're visiting our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys. They've got a vast selection of adult toys, movies, and oh, so much more. So if you're looking for something special, make sure that you head on over to Adam and Eve Toys today. They will treat you right. Now, if anybody knows me, they know that I am not a big sports person, but in honor of the Rio Olympics, we're going to go on with sports. And a little report from what I like to call the what the fuck is wrong with you people file. Dateline, Rio Olympics. That's right, the Rio 2016 Olympic Games have been rocked and plagued by more trouble after it recently emerged that the Olympic security chief was attacked after he left the opening ceremony. So, after the big vagina opening of the Rio Olympics, the Olympic security chief was attacked as he left the opening ceremony by a knife-wielding robber who was then shot dead by a cop. Felipe, Felipe Sexus was walking to his car. Wait a minute. This guy's name is Sex, and the opening ceremony was a great big pussy. I do believe Brazil is trying to tell us something. What the f- All right, never mind. So anyways, Felipe is walking to his car near the Maracanã Stadium early last Saturday when he was set upon by four men brandishing knives. A policeman with him shot one of the assassins dead and the others fled. Like, duh, because when you shoot somebody, other people are going to run. Authorities have attempted to hush up details of the shooting, which is a monumental embarrassment to the crime-plagued Rio 2016 bosses. The president's chief of staff, Elisu Padilla, had promised the curtain-raising spectacular, which was attended by 40 world leaders, had security unprecedented in the history of Brazil, which means they had a cop present. The security chief himself became a mugging target after committing 10,000 security forces to protect the extravaganza. And Rio Mayor Edward Payas boasted the city would be the safest place in the world during the games, with 88,000 security personnel in total protecting 500,000 fans expected over the 17 days of the games. Meanwhile, in another part of the city, Portugal's Minister of Education was robbed at knife point as he headed back to his hotel from the Olympic cycling road race. Tiago Brandio Rodriguez was stopped by a man brandishing a blade near his hotel in Ipanema on Saturday morning. I'm sorry, Saturday afternoon. He and aide Rita Roca were forced to hand over cash and their mobiles. The mugger fled after taking their valuables, but was intercepted by locals who held him until police arrived and reunited the visiting politician and his advisor with their belongings. All right, on to some bigger Olympic shames. Let's talk prostitution, violence, and crime that is gripping Rio while the world watches the extravaganza of a show. 
That's right, listeners, away from the glitz and glamour of the games are the city's infamous favelas, or slums, which are riddled with violent crime and prostitution. Even as billions tune in to see the action each week, three men, suspected gang members who rule the city's favela slums, were shot dead by cops in a gun battle in North Rio. A patrol of the 85,000-strong security forces brought in for the games were shot at in the Mara favela after taking a wrong turn. That's one hell of a wrong turn, right? And within walking distance of the Olympic Park, underage girls are selling their bodies in a city with over 12,000 sex workers. In the infamous Villa Mimosa, City of Tender Love, prostitutes made flyers for the games, offering a reduced price. Sex for 40 reals, almost half their usual price of 75 reals. Via Mimosa, Rio's oldest and largest prostitution zone, where 3,000 women offer their services in more than 70 bars, has been hit by the deepest recession in the century. A flyer printed in English states that an hour's sex during the games would cost 60 reals, which is down from the usual 90 reals, while a threesome is priced at 40 reals per girl for a half an hour, and 80 reals for an hour, because we can't do that math. But even with discounts, the trade has not been what they have expected. And it was pretty much the same for the World Cup two years ago, when visitors were put off by the prospect of being mugged or murdered, because nobody wants to get fucked twice. But outside the city, 50 minutes from Rio's Olympic Village, girls as young as nine are used by truckers for sex. The BR-116 road runs to Sao Paulo, and that's where the Arena Corinthians are going to stage Olympic football games. But the real misery occurs at the 262 truck stops along its way. Traffickers target poor families on that route, offering money for their young girls. All right, that's going to make me cry. So we're going to just go ahead and have to switch to something else because that's just sad and depressing. So let's go ahead and switch back to our own backyard again and talk about what the hell is wrong with America and the deep layers of denial that perpetuate gun violence in this country. When the hell is America going to wake up and realize that as long as we as a society allow easy access to guns, that we're just complicit in mass killings? Tragedies and gun violence are not inevitable facts of living in America. They are a consequence of a society that doesn't want to take a hard look at the root and cause of violence and understands that you don't have to make deadly force widely and readily available to human beings. Yet another gun-wielding person has left a trail of death, mayhem, injuries, and maimed lives in a murderous spree. The unfolding media coverage has featured residents saying they didn't think that that could happen there. Others have replied that violence in America is just like violence anywhere else. Pro-gun advocates say the tragedy could have been stopped if people were just armed. On the political front, almost everybody has expressed some sympathy for the victims, but predicted that, yet again, Congress would not act to end in any easy access to guns. And yes, we do have the right to bear arms, but shouldn't we limit the people that have access to them? As if wanting a weapon that could mow down a crowd of people in a matter of seconds isn't a big red flag and indicator that there's something wrong with that person.
Those reactions reveal what is deeply wrong with America. From myths about where violence occurs to ignoring the ways in which traumatized people act out. So, we're going to talk about some of those myths that perpetuate the cycle of gun violence. First off, it can't happen here. You're just fucking wrong, because yes, it can. Crime and violence in small towns are everyday occurrences in America. Don't believe me? Just walk into any county courthouse where they're arraigning that week's dockets of people charged with misdemeanors and felonies and look at the police affidavits. You'll find that episode after episode of violence, with guns playing a huge role in the worst of instances. That's why there are approximately 30,000 gun deaths annually in the United States. That's a number that rivals car crash, car crash fatalities in the most recent of years. Second, we're just like other countries. No, we're not. Not when it comes to guns anyways, or violence and gun-related deaths. With the exception of Chile, the U.S. has four times as many gun-related murders as the next two most violent countries in the developed world. At least that's what the Washington Post reported after 2012 Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting in Connecticut. And I quote, According to the data compiled by the United Nations, the United States has four times as many gun-related homicides per capita as do Turkey and Switzerland, which are tied for third place. The U.S. gun murder rate is about 20 times the average for all other countries on that list. That means that Americans are 20 times more likely to be killed by a gun than someone from another developed country in this world. Third, we think that we understand human nature. And as a country, we don't. When you give people access to a tool, whether it's guns or social media, people are going to use them. And it'll be used rationally or irrationally, thoughtfully or in a rage. This is true for people at every level of psychological development, but especially people who are grieved or traumatized. Gun death statistics underscore this fact about human nature. The largest percentage of people killed by guns in America are between the ages of 15 and 25, when youths are impulsive and not psychologically mature. They use guns because they have access. An American under the age of 25 is killed by a gun every 70 minutes. A February 2014 report by the Center of, for American Progress stipulates, and it's no surprise that a killer easily gets his hand on a gun and writes about his trouble on social media, and to expect otherwise is just plain naive. Fourth, there's denial upon denial. And guess what? It piles up. Too many Americans are in denial that access to guns exacerbates violence. They're in denial about the extent of gun tragedies from murders to severe injuries in domestic disputes and crime. Many politicians are in denial, fearing the NRA and ignoring pleas by police and mayors to toughen gun laws. With the exception of mass killings of innocents at schools and public places like movie theaters, do you hear outrage over daily gun-related death tolls? No, you fucking don't. People go back to their lives. Nor does this nation really want to face the source of its violent cultural DNA. Take the Black Lives Matter protests. 
they've been belittled by Republicans and make many Democrats nervous when participants talk about how the historic and outsized use of force against black Americans is real, unnecessary, and still happening. Americans cannot avoid the media coverage of tragedies, but a great many don't want to confront the historic pattern, the deeper causes, or the controversial but sensible solutions. Fifth, denial empowers America's gun cults. Yeah, well, Americans don't want to raise the question most feared by gun nuts, which is, why are all your guns necessary? We haven't been a frontier-exploring or slave-owning society for many generations now. The U.S. isn't filled with settlers whose fortunes depend on the ethnic cleansing of Native Americans or labor from slaves, which is where America's dependence on gun actually began. Nor is this country filled with the subsistence farmers and multitudes who must hunt to eat. But somehow, Americans don't question right-wingers' twisted belief that the Second Amendment gives them a right to have a gun anywhere. Their fetish that protecting gun rights is more integral to being free than protecting the lives of innocent gun violence victims is sick, and it just goes unanswered. 6. There is no political solution. Yes, there fucking is. Guns don't grow on trees. They're not part of nature. They're man-made, just as laws that govern society are. And they could change if there were sufficient political will. President Obama was right that most Republicans and many rural state Democrats either like the fact that Americans are armed to the teeth and oppose gun, gun control or are afraid of battling the NRA when they seek re-election. As Obama said, there is something very twisted when mass killings are being accepted as normal or are somehow a price that Americans must pay to be free. 7. Americans are avoiding reality. Well, other than on television. There are choices that are being made. Americans don't have to ignore the reality of ongoing gun violence. They don't have to pretend that mass shootings could never happen where they live, or that American societal violence is like the violence in other, in other Western nations when it really isn't, or the nonsense that individual freedom is tied to owning guns or that nothing can be done politically. The truth is, Americans need to see the reality of human nature and gun violence for what it is. People will use whatever tools are at their disposal, including guns, whether in moments of passion or rage or to commit premeditated mass murder. To assume that every mass murder is mentally ill or insane or somehow better screening by someone somewhere might have stopped a tragedy is not the solution. If you know anything about human nature, you don't tempt fate. You don't make guns available en masse, and as if they were just another home appliance. You take guns out of wide circulation and only license their use in the strictest of circumstances. And I know I'm being a little bit controversial, because there's a lot of hunters out there, and I understand the need to hunt, but the truth of the matter is, is when you're hunting humans, I don't think you should have a gun. All right, my precious listeners. It's that time again, and we need to visit our sponsors. So take a moment, check out what they have to offer, and meet me back here after the break. I'm Naughty Nicole, and you are listening to The World in My Eyes here on Renegade Talk Radio. 
We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Fellas, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. But that's not all. Oh, no. When you select your one item at 50% off, you'll also receive three free adult DVDs for a little inspiration, plus a free extra gift so sensual we can't mention it on the radio. And to top it all off, we'll even throw in free shipping on your entire order. And no, we're not teasing. So check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. Get 50% off one item when you type BABE69 for the offer code upon checkout. When you do, you'll get three free DVDs, a free extra gift, and free shipping. Just use offer code BABE69 at adamandeve.com. Welcome back, Renegade Nation. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to The World in My Eyes. And I am Naughty Nicole. And I hope that during the break that you took some time to visit our sponsor, Adam and Eve Toys, to check out that wide selection of adult toys, movies, and oh, so much more. So if you're looking for something special, make sure that you head on over to Adam and Eve Toys today because they will treat you right. And on today's show, we're talking about, well, all the things that are wrong with this world. Okay, well, maybe not all the things that are wrong, but, you know, a couple of things. And I thought that since we looked at a few things that were wrong, that we would take the time to end things with a few things that were right. Recently, I was listening to Mike Rose, That's the Way I Heard It, and he was talking about the inventor of Pringles and how... His kids, the inventor of Pringles, not Mike Rose, had him cremated and put him in a Pringles can. And I thought, what a wonderfully cheeky way to leave this world. As it happens, there were a few stories that I found that offered up this same lighter side of death that I thought I'd share with you here today. And I think you guys will find it kind of funny, and I hope you enjoy it. First, we have William Ziegler whose obituary was published in the Times Picayune on August 12th of 2016. And if you're not familiar with that particular paper, it happens to be out of New Orleans. And his obituary went something like this. William Ziegler escaped this mortal realm on Friday, July 29th, 2016, at the age of 69. We think he did it on purpose to avoid having to make a decision in the pending presidential election. He leaves behind four children, five grandchildren, and the potted meat industry for which he was an unofficial spokesman, until dietary restrictions forced him to eat real food. William volunteered for service in the United States Navy at the ripe old age of 17, and immediately realized he didn't much enjoy being bossed around. He only stuck it out for one war. Before his discharge, however, the government exchanged numerous ribbons and medals for various honorable acts. Upon his return to the city of New Orleans in 1971, thinking it best to keep an eye on him, the government hired William as a fireman. After 25 years, he suddenly realized that running away from burning buildings made more sense than running towards them. He promptly retired. Looking back, 
Williams stated that there was no better group of morons and mental patients than those he had the privilege of serving of service with. Except Bob. He never liked you, Bob. Following his wishes, there will not be a service, but well-wishers are encouraged to write a note of farewell on a Schaefer light beer can and drink it in his honor. He was never one for sentiment or religiosity. I can't say that word, but it's okay. You know what I meant. But he wanted you to know that if he owes you a beer, and if you can find him in heaven, he will gladly allow you to buy him another. He can likely be found forwarding tasteless internet jokes, so check your spam folder, but don't open those at work. Expect to find an alcoholic dog named Judge passed out at his feet. Unlike previous times, this is not a ploy to avoid creditors or old girlfriends. He assures us that he is really gone, and he will be greatly missed. Personally, I loved this beautiful send-off. And the only thing that his kids forgot to mention was his wonderful sense of humor. Oh, but I guess it was implied. Subtle, William. Very subtle. And you will be missed. On to another great great way to memorialize a loved one. Well, actually, this one kind of memorialized herself. Yes, this mom who died from cancer left her daughter this beautiful, hilarious, and curse-filled letter that it is my pleasure to share pieces of of with you now. Heather McManamy, a badass wife and mother, died of breast cancer. At her request, her husband Jeff shared a final letter that she wrote to friends and family. The letter is filled with humor and profanity, reminding everyone that Heather was definitely the kind of person that you wanted to have in your life. Her final words have received thousands of shares on Facebook, and they're probably going to make you laugh or, you know, do that ugly cry thing. She opens with the bad news, but quickly moves on to the more positive angles, saying, So, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is, apparently, I'm dead. Good news, if you're reading this, is that you are most definitely not, unless they happen to have Wi-Fi in the afterlife. Yes, this sucks. It sucks beyond words, but I'm just so damn glad I lived a life so full of love, joy, and amazing friends. I'm lucky to honestly say that I have zero regrets and I spent every ounce of energy I had living life to the fullest. I love you all and thank you for this awesome life. She offered a fresh perspective on how to comfort her own daughter. Please, please, please do not tell Brianna that I'm in heaven. In her mind, that means that I chose to be somewhere else and left her. In reality, I did everything I could to be here with her. And there is nowhere, nowhere I would rather be than with her and Jeff. Please don't confuse her and let her think for one second that it's not true. Because I'm not in heaven, I'm here but no longer in the crappy body that turned against me. My energy, my love, my laughter, those incredible memories, it's all here with you. So please tell Brianna stories so she knows how much I loved her and how proud of her I will always be and make me sound way cooler than I actually am. I like this lady already. And she reminded everyone that cancer is, in fact, the loser. 
And don't say that I lost to cancer, because cancer may have taken almost everything from me, but it never took my love or my hope or my joy. It was a battle. It was just life, which is often brutally random and unfair, and that's simply how it goes sometimes. I didn't lose, damn it. The way I lived for years with cancer is something I consider a pretty big victory. And finally, she told everyone to turn up in her honor. If you go to my funeral, please run up a bar tab. That would make me proud. Heck, blast keg on my coffin and dance on the bar for me because there had better be a dance party at some point. Celebrate the beauty of life with a kick-ass party because, you know, that's what I want. And I believe that, in a weird way, I will find a way to be there, too. You know how much I hate missing out on all the fun. I look forward to haunting each and every one of you, so this isn't so much a goodbye as it is a see you later. In case you're wondering, dear listeners, I promise I will leave one curse-filled, inappropriate, and obnoxious letter to be posted after my death. And we've come to the end of our episode, and I thank you so much for joining me here today. Maybe you learned something, or maybe you just like listening to me talk and all the voices in my head. And if you did, don't hesitate to let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And you can find me at my website, www.nicole-delacroix.com or on Twitter at at Nicole Delacroix. If you're liking what you hear, then make sure you pick up a copy of my book, Sexual Confessional Confidential Admissions from Social Media, which is available now on Amazon.com and all other major online booksellers. That's our time for today, and I want to thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time. Until then, remember in the immortal words of Samuel Butler, If life must not be taken too seriously, then so neither must death. See you next time, my precious little heathens, and go have some fun. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.